welcome back to Ravens Recap. We had to do an emergency pod. I'm sure most of you guys have heard the news now about Earl Thomas. And if you haven't, well, we're going to go ahead and give a recap and uh, uh, discuss our takes and, and initial reactions to them to this move. Yeah, Chris, we were just joking about the notion of an emergency pod talking about maybe a signing or a trade or an injury. And I don't think any of us saw a surprise cut of the Pro Bowler, Earl Thomas. Uh, that, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't in the cards. No, definitely not. You know, we may have touched on it a little bit last year, but I know, you know, around, you know, just kind of getting like the pulse from some of the fan base, you know, I know people definitely had mixed reactions about Earl, but I think overall, I mean, his level of play on the field was, was mostly uh, positive. I'd say very positive in, in a lot of cases. Aside from talk of maybe him not living up to his contract in terms of like value had brought up, but I, I don't think many fans would have uh, not wanted him on the team. But man, oh man, it's it certainly seems that uh, a good number of players on the Ravens actually, you know, it, it got to a point where they did not want him on the team, and it's it's just you know it's it's a it's blindsiding. It's just a complete shocker. I, I had no idea that things had gotten this bad. I mean, I remember we were talking last year. Uh, I think Peter brought it up that in the locker room, some of the comments that Earl Thomas would make were not your typical Ravens locker room commentary. He always kind of beat to a different drummer. You know, now that I'm reading these reports, it sounds like he always beat to a different drummer uh, in his previous roles, but that was more accepted. But the Ravens locker room is just different. As an observer of the John Harbaugh locker room for all these years, it's pretty clear it's almost cult-like, right? Which which feels a little harsh to say. You know, cult has negative connotations, but these guys are basically a big 53-man clique. Everyone's really, like, chummy with one another. It seems like they're they're very close, heavily into religion and praying together. And I think if you have a bad apple in that kind of environment, it's super obvious, Right. And it sounds like Earl might have been that kind of guy um, and just not bought in to the culture. And I can see and respect why the teammates, the coaches, and the, uh, I guess, council that that I honestly never knew existed until today, uh, decided that they want to get rid of this guy. You know, I I understand that sometimes, you know, some players are like that. And, you know, to to some extent, I know some locker rooms uh, are more uh, accepting of those types of players. I mean, it's it's not to say that a guy like John Harbaugh isn't. I mean, we've had a lot of strong personalities on the team. I mean, you know, obviously, I think one guy Earl really looks up to who was on the Ravens for a really long time, Ed Reed. I mean, Ed was, was kind of in that similar vein, although, you know, he still, at the end of the day, I think would always kind of buy into the culture that Harbs was trying to create. Although, you know, I mean, if you listen to some interviews that he, you know, of, of him talking about it, you, you know that it was not an easy thing for him to do. Um, in, in fact, I'm sure that they butt, butted heads uh, quite often in, in the early days. Um, but for the most part, it never got that bad to the Ravens not wanting to re-sign a guy like Ed Reed. Um, and it's just... It's it's I think it's just amazing to me basically how little, relatively speaking, we've heard uh, of this being an issue aside from those little nuggets that you know you've mentioned and that and that Peter had mentioned before. It's just I, I wonder how much more of this stuff had been going on t- so that it blew over to a point that they had to cut him. 
I mean, that's just that's just crazy. It's tremendously clear to me there was a lot going on, right? We were talking about it, you know, in our channel. We first saw the reports of the punch with Chuck Clark and how the altercation happened. And he was sent home, and we're like, okay. But we'd be surprised if they cut him because he's such a cornerstone player. He's owed a lot of money. And this is the first we've heard of uh, something so severe. But it, it didn't take long, right? Like, we're literally talking about less than 24 hours. It didn't take long for us to kind of wake up the next morning, which was today, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Sunday. Wake up the next morning and say, hey, like, this seems a little different. It seems like there's more to this. Um, it seems like there's there's something going on. And the drum beat kind of like, you know, got a little bit louder. And then you get reports that he was going to get released or traded. And then not much longer, uh, the official announcement of him getting released was made. So it quickly turned. And, and as we were having our dialogues, we were like, yeah, there must be more confrontations. And then we had the great report by Jeff Zarebeck pointing out that Earl had been uh, late to meetings, confrontational with other players, uh, you know, pointing out we kind of forgot, you know, week four, the Brandon Williams altercation right earl called brandon out because uh he was out with a knee injury and earl was like <laughs> he was like what and he was like what knee injury like you're gonna you're gonna go and play yeah and, and it's funny we you know we definitely talked about those things i remember having those conversations but it's so easy to brush things aside when you're winning you're having a historic season and i guess uh you know you have an off season you have covid you have uncertainty going into this year and you know, we were just talking about it last episode, just a couple of days ago, Chris, that the third safety spot, big, you know, opening there, and we weren't so sure how it was going to turn out. Well, now that person's a starter, right? <laughs> like Deshaun Elliott is our starter if we were suiting up tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just going to have to adjust. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make some sort of signing. But really, it's just an opportunity for those guys that we were talking about competing for an important third safety spot to step right into the spotlight yeah well but before we get into that actually i just want to make one follow-up comment um regarding brandon williams and that you know i think you know I, you know obviously i'm i'm not in the locker room but it was uh, just uh, an idea that i brought up in in our chat uh, yesterday and that maybe would it kind of helped me maybe put this a little bit more into context um but again just my opinion on this like you know i don't i don't have any special information here one day um, chris <laughs> maybe one <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day um but uh but yeah i mean i mean if you think about it you know last year you know w- we did have a few veterans on the team um that would have been uh, around and, and kind of had just as much if not a little bit more prestige as earl you know you look at a guy like marshall yonda who is you know arguably a hall of famer uh, you have a guy like that um you have a guy like brandon carr um, who's been around in the league for a, a long time, been a very, very good player. So there were a, a few more veteran pieces uh, like that. Also, you know, I'll, I would say Pernell McPhee, even though he doesn't really have the prestige, uh, but guys like Pernell McPhee and, and Josh Bynes, I mean, they had been around uh, in the 2012 Ravens Super Bowl team. So they had seen guys like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs and Haloti Nada. You know, they they were uh, a part of, of that, like, legendary uh, sort of Ravens defensive core. So they knew kind of how that locker room was run. And, you know, they had the ability, to, I think, to kind of buy in into that bigger picture. And I think, you know, at least for me, like having Earl come to that situation, like, you know, if you have enough of those guys kind of like all in that right mindset, it can kind of, to some effect, like it can kind of help him kind of keep it under wraps a little bit. But I'm looking at this year in 29 or 2020, 
we really don't, you know, you've looked at the roster, you know, before today, we really don't have anybody like that. I mean, aside from Pernell McPhee, who, you know, we brought back for a one-year deal, uh, we have the Wolfpack. Right. And that's about it. You know, Earl is next in line. And so, you know, that's also, you know, that's something I look at and be a little worried. I'm like, well, I think it's great that you've got guys like Chuck Clark and Marlon Humphrey who are starting to form this core of like next, you know, great generation players for the Ravens. Um, I think it's great that they're trying to step up and set that culture. But I guess with a guy like Earl, you know, if, if, you know, maybe I don't know if he, maybe he doesn't respect them as much because they are so new. Uh, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's just him being a little, you know, having a little uh, ego and, and thinking that he's sort of better than they are because, you know, he does obviously have a, a, an arguably Hall of Fame career. But yeah, I mean, I look at the roster and I, I'm, I'm like, I, I guess I can kind of understand, I don't agree with, but I can kind of understand that maybe why, you know, Earl kind of didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he felt like he didn't have to. Maybe there wasn't anybody to really kind of like put him in line because he was that guy. He was the veteran guy. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, for, for a guy who's arguably a Hall of Fame player, for for a guy who was brought in with such a contract, I mean, you kind of have to expect that, you know, you bring somebody in like that, they've got to be a leader on this team. And at the end of the day, if they're not leading this team, if they're dividing it, that's not something you want on your team. So well put, Chris. He was dividing. And I was talking to, you know, correspondent Kfish about it. And they're like, yeah, the Ravens must have had immediate buyer's remorse about signing Earl Thomas, right? Like, even last year, we had some conversations about, you know, was this the right the right pickup? And as the year went on, he started to play better. And then they had that, that horrible, again, don't want to talk about the Tennessee game too much, but that just horrible Tennessee game where he, you know, talked about how the Patriots didn't want to tackle Derrick Henry and then just picturesque, you know, getting double stiff-armed, right, <laughs> down. And it's mm-hmm. just like right. the exact opposite thing you want to see. And I'm, I'm curious if, to know if that was kind of a, a turning point, right? Because I can imagine there was some snippiness after a loss like that. And just knowing Earl's personality, right? I wouldn't be shocked if something happened there with other teammates and if, if there was some kind of altercation. So that's kind of like my thought on the process. Again, you know, we don't have any insider information, but I would not be shocked if things began to really unravel, you know, we hear these other reports, but really unravel at that point. You know, this team hasn't been together much since then. It's kind of hard to believe, but, you know, they went back home, they licked their wounds, and they haven't had team meetings since like about a week ago, you know, in person at least, right? It's one thing to be on a Zoom call and cordial, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, now that, but now that they're together, I could see how this could quickly fester again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As a fan, it's one of those things, too. I mean, you, you hear some of these comments from early, like, you know, the comment uh, about, you know, the Patriots not wanting to tackle Derrick Henry, and then, you know, gets just uh, immediately just pancaked by Henry. You know, I mean, you look at those, and you're just like, huh, well, you know, you can't back it up, Burl. But really, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think all that stuff was just indicative of, you know, uh, larger, deep, deeply rooted issues. It's one thing, too, if, if you trash talk, and, and you may uh, have it blow up in your face, but, you know, if as long as, uh, you know, you're working as a team to get better, to not have that happen again, then I think it's less of an issue. But I mean, again, like, you know, this wasn't, you know, that, that thing with Henry wasn't the first time we had heard those sort of 
interesting comments from Earl. Uh, it happened a couple of times in the regular season. And so, yeah, with all of that, I, I, I you know, if I'm like Chuck Clark and, and I'm looking at Earl and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the stuff he's saying and then, you know, come back and, you know, you, you see Earl kind of make the same mistakes. I'm like, you know, are you, are you really like, are you really actually in this? Or are you just like saying whatever you want to say? Right. You know, another thing, Chris, just kind of thinking out loud here. The thing that's interesting is those comments coming out of the 2000 defense would have been one thing, right? You came into town against the 2000 defense and, and they were going to stomp on you. And while our defense was very good last year, what they weren't good against was the run, right? We've we seen teams run against us. It wasn't like we were invincible against the run. And you had this guy who was just blazing hot at the end of the year in Derrick Henry, just playing completely out of his mind, right? And to make those comments is an interesting statement, right? Because <laughs> the way we were slapping teams around was more like blitz schemes, finesse, the secondary, but not not just like stopping run games. I mean, San Francisco ran all over us. You know, good running attacks did not stop against us. They, they, they did their thing. We won in other ways. So it was an interesting comment for that to, ha- to come out of his mouth. Um, but there really wasn't the track record last year to, to back it. It was just like, I think when we heard it, we might've been like, Oh, like, you know, you know, we're amped up to, to kick some butt and go to the next round and whatever. But in reality, it was kind of a, a bad take. Oh, absolutely. It was a terrible take. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit, I think, you know, um, I I think it's probably worth also discussing like, you know, what the Ravens front office was thinking in terms of actually deciding to make the, you know, to make the move right now. Maybe there might be a scenario in which the Ravens, you know, gave him another shot and be like, Hey, like, you know, you've got this year to try and like clean things up. Otherwise, like you're not coming back. Um, you know, I, I think they maybe could have made that move. I think we're going to have to see how the end of this season plays out to know whether it was the right call or not. Um, but I, I really do think it's interesting that they decided to cut ties now when you look at the Ravens and, and we're really trying to go all in this year. It's very clear that this is the window. Lamar's not going to get any younger. He's going to have that contract at some point. We're going to have to start paying a lot of these uh, younger players that we have on this team. And I think there would be a good argument to keep Earl around for another season to try and keep him in line to just try and win this year. But I think it's really telling that they didn't do that. I, I think to me what that says is that breaking the locker room in this year is not worth that all or nothing year. Because obviously, you know, guys like Chuck Clark just has a new contract. He's not going around for a couple of years. A guy like Marlon Humphrey is probably going to be re-signed. He's going to be here for a while. Marcus Peters is going to be here for a while. So a lot of you know these core defensive players who we're relying on are going to be here for the next couple of years. And I think it's really telling that the Ravens wanted to ship Earl out and not you know have one of those guys get upset and want to force their way out. Yeah, 100%, Chris. This is a huge statement for all those reasons. The fact of the matter is it's easy to turn that blind eye when you have a superstar that you're dealing with. And, you know, just like one more year with the window, et cetera. And with all of that and the team, importantly, I think the players, super important in my opinion, the players were involved in this decision, said, no, we don't care. We don't care how good he is. We don't care what it might mean to this season. He has to go. It's huge. It's crazy because 
I, I predict he was going to get cut no matter what next year. He could have had a great year, and I think we would have probably cut him just because the COVID cap restrictions are going to happen, and he's a natural person to cut. I think of the people that you look at and how the salaries are, are set up, he was one of the natural people, and they just expedited it, you know? We'll see if this detrimental to the team clause comes through. Uh, and then they would be, you know, relieved of some cap hits. But that's not going to be known for a while. And it's going to be a big cap hit this year. It's going to be a, a substantial one next year, too. But it, the team thinks it's worth it. And honestly, when you have a team with a young nucleus, like we're talking about, that you plan on re-signing and being your cornerstone players, you don't want to wrong them right now. You don't want to show as an organization you're willing to let things like this slide because they're about to sign up for the prime time of their career with you. So I think it's a great move by the Ravens organization that they also listened to the players and did what they felt was right. Because when you start making those deals with the devil, it's not going to work out well. So I, I honestly really respect it. You know, this hurts as a fan. You know, you look at the dead cap, you look at a, a good player leaving, you look at the holes. But just from an organization, like I'm proud of the organization for doing what they deemed to be the right thing and what from all accounts seemed like was the right move. So what do you think the odds are for the Ravens to sign Antonio Brown? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> on to the real questions, Alec. Come on. So two negatives make a positive. So they should have kept Earl around if they wanted to do that. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. <laughs> that, I mean, right. Exactly. It's a hard time to bring in basket cases, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, it, admittedly, man, it, it was a lot more fun when it was Antonio Brown and it was the Steelers last year. It was a lot easier to make fun of it. But, yeah, I mean, there are definite parallels with, with Earl Thomas here. I, I, I will say, at least for Earl, it's, you know, a lot of – I still think a lot of the information is kept under wraps. And, man, it just wasn't as entertaining as Antonio Brown. Like, he had just the craziest offseason <laughs> that we've uh, experienced in a very, very long time. Oh, you had the cryogenic feet. You had the severed fish head. <laughs> I mean, you had so much going on with Antonio Brown last year. Yeah. You had – Calling, like, Mayaka <laughs> Like <laughs> You had him flocking around in his backyard saying he was free when he was cut. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know he had like a, a whole press release afterwards i mean the guy is a show right like earl it seems like he put up like a instagram post kind of trying to explain his side and then deleted it no show <laughs> yeah well i could yeah i mean i could say posting uh posting 11 on 11 footage uh, in your training camp is probably not a great idea regardless of the situation yeah i know <laughs> um definitely didn't help but yeah, uh, definitely tame uh, in, in comparison to, to AB. So the, the next thing to talk about is really the next steps for the Ravens. You know, Earl's gone. We've got a little bit of cap relief, but not really, to experiment with. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy and sign some blockbuster player to fill in. Although I did see uh, this notion that Earl's going to go to the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to release uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and then we were going to pick him up. It's <laughs> some like crazy like free agent trade right i don't hate it but they could have just done the trade right like i don't understand what cutting and and doing that that way like benefits maybe there's well, some i mean yeah that's true weird contractual thing but yeah like when i heard that like conspiracy theory i was kind of like 
how's that work like <laughs> like why don't they just why don't they just call dallas up and say yo do you want to do this trade <laughs> i i hear you have uh some disgruntled asset so to speak and we have one <laughs> let's let's trade them around and you know you look at the free agency market and I think to myself, immediately, I was like, oh, you know, we love Tony Jefferson, but he was more of a strong safety. And we saw when we asked him to play free safety uh, when he first arrived at Baltimore, it really wasn't like the best fit for him. But, you know, he was a great locker room presence. Everyone loved Tony Jefferson. And it's one of those things like be kind of a nice to bring a healer into that position after someone who was detrimental. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guy like Brandon Carr, who we saw kind of play many different roles and hats while he was with the Ravens knows the scheme but again he's older and can you really lean on him to be your starting free safety yeah Carr would be interesting I mean you know at least he did play with us a little bit last year I'm not convinced that he would be able to take significant snaps of free safety it it does worry me a little bit to have Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Carr as our combination back there because you know Carr is just I don't think he's going to be able to hold up after that many snaps and Deshaun is the Jerry's still out (laughs) <laughs> until until he could play a full season like I'm, I'm still hesitant to kind of just like rely on him to be healthy for 16 games Jefferson you know man you know both those guys too Carr and Jefferson both those great locker room fits you know we didn't have any issues with those guys I mean they were around for you know Carr was around for what four years five years he was around quite I think four years it was around quite a while Jefferson was around for three or four yeah, and they they both be good locker room fits. As as much as I'd like Jefferson, I kind of agree. Like, you know, even even if like Chuck was able to slide over to free and maybe, you know, Deshaun and Chuck would play a little bit of free safety, which I guess they could do. I just I don't know. I mean that I feel like the Tony Jefferson experiment was just it didn't work out so well. And I don't know if anything's really changed to put him into a better position. You know, as as much as it pains me, because man, it would, it would be great to have him back. He was he was such a great guy in the locker room. Yeah, I just I don't know if that's realistic. And then you've got you know Jimmy Smith. We talked about how they were looking at him as more of a corner and all that. Well, he might be. You mean more? You mean more as a safety? I mean, maybe it's time to to pull the ripcord. You know, <laughs> it'd be like, dude, we wanted to do this, but now it's time to. This might be the best thing for the team. I don't know. And actually, the funny part about that is, wouldn't it be wild if we're, we're speculating that that being a possibility? Well, he's one of the older people on the team, right? Jimmy's a, uh, mm-hmm. ninth, in his ninth year now, right? Yep. Maybe maybe he did kind of say, like, he may be one of the leaders on the council and said, hey, you know what? Like, if we cut him, I'm willing to move full-time to free safety, right? <laughs> you know? I mean, who knows? He might have said something like that and it gave the team a little bit of confidence, like, hey, he's willing to be a team player, move from his unnatural position and, and try to fill in. Um I mean, that could have very well been a a scenario. Yeah. I think Jimmy's always been kind of that guy. Of, you know, he's he's never been a um, one of the focal leaders, I think, of a team. I think he's always just sort of been uh, more of a quiet guy. He's been around such a long time, and you know, I know a lot, of, a lot of fans, I think, have been a little upset that he's been around for such a long time. But at the end of the day, man, Jimmy's one of those really, really great uh, locker room fits. I mean, you have to feel for the guy of, of him – getting hurt left and right and and always wanted to come back and compete and just you know play for the team it it would not doubt me at all to you know hear jimmy smith be like 100 percent like i'll play for your safety whatever you guys want me to do like I'll, I'll be here because i think that's what kind of a guy he is but really i mean 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Jimmy want, like Jimmy is offering to do. It's like he can, I mean, he could offer to play quarterback if he wanted to, but the end of the day is like, is, is he going to be a good enough player at that spot so that we don't have to get somebody else, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it could, but I don't know. It just, it, you know, it, it would it would worry me a little bit to, to even think that Deshaun and Jimmy, like between those two guys, like that's a free safety. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not comfortable. Like, that to me feels like our uh, linebacker position group last year. It's like when we went into training camp, we were super confident. Oh, yeah, Peanut and Kenny Young are going to be totally fine. Week four, we're like, no, this experiment's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get me off this train ride. Yeah. Oh, man. (sighs) Well, man... uh you know, before we end this, uh, I think there's only one one other thing uh, of business that we have discussed here, and that's this. Do you think that Marlon Humphrey is going to get number 29 back now, or is he going to keep 44? I hope so. When you said that in the chat, dude, I was so giddy because I think 29 is a way cooler number than 44, and I wanted Marlon Humphrey to be my next jersey. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm over here like hoping that he changes. <laughs> now, what about you? I agree. It would be super cool to have him back at 29. I think it's just a it's a cooler combo. Part of me, part of me feels that like although you know I, I don't know exactly whether Marlon was one of those guys who was like absolutely yes like Earl's got to go. That might come out. It might not. More than likely, it probably won't. It's still sort of going to be speculation. I think the council is kind of like I don't know if that means everybody on the council said they wanted Earl gone or the council is just sort of like a umbrella term for like some people on the council wanted him gone. Anyway, regardless, I was just rewatching the top 100 video uh, with Earl and they interviewed Marlon for that one. And, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, he was interviewed for that. I don't know whether, you know, those are some of his true feelings about Earl, but I do feel like that, you know, on a somewhat of a personal level like he's got to have some sort of respect for Earl the player so it it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make that move because maybe he didn't want to piss him off personally because obviously I think you know if you piss Earl off you know something (laughs) something bad could happen like Earl could you know blow up a little bit (laughs) well and also uh, it's like it's like handled goods now right like yeah like the 29 was cool and fresh when it was his number and then it goes to another teammate that you know he respects or whatever coming in yeah the veteran and then he, you know, shits all over, you know, everything, <laughs> and then get, <laughs> right. gets ejected out. And now they're like, "Well, I don't. No one's going to touch. Give, give some rookie twenty nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Juno Stone, you want to change the twenty nine? Yeah. Gino, <laughs> Gino, you want it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I hear that too. Like, part of me wants it just to swap over because that was his number, and I always thought it looked cool, and I wanted to get that jersey and whatnot. But the other part of me, like, just from a realistic perspective. I don't see it happening for all the reasons you said. And right. Just that, don't get me wrong. It would be cool. Right. It's like, how do you even bring it up, though? Right? Did you notice that right before the Ravens had their like official tweet saying that they're cutting ties with uh, Earl Thomas, they post this like hype video? <laughs> it's like shot chaser, but in the opposite <laughs> opposite order. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was like, oh, you're writing really scheduled content, and oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah not doubt me that that was on purpose <laughs> yeah exactly i i just think i don't see how they announce like oh you know by the way uh, uh marlon humphrey for totally unrelated reasons has switched back to 29 <laughs> you know <laughs> so 
Agatha. Wait, wasn't that Earl's number? Earl's been cut. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that'd been hilarious if they uh, if it was gonna happen and just they announced it like right before they said they who's cut. Just like oh, um, twenty nine just happens to be available now. <laughs> 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 and then like for moments, like for five seconds, there's speculation. Like oh my gosh, and then <laughs> the next announcement drops. <laughs> That would be yeah. That would have been pretty funny, but <laughs> nothing would be uh, more distracting the situation than that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Chris, on short notice, uh, hopping on the the microphone and giving your takes and our first reactions to this uh, surprising news that Earl Thomas is no longer a Baltimore Raven. We wish Peter the best. Uh, we did ask if he wanted to come on, but he's like, now nah, I want to come on a more uplifting note, and we totally get that. We hope he's doing well. They're back home. Everyone's doing all right. And just get some rest and continue to acclimate with a new baby boy. Uh, Again, we're super excited and happy for you. Reach out to us on Twitter or email us on Twitter. We're Ravens underscore recap. And our email is feedback at ravensrecap.com. We'll be back soon with more updates. Hopefully not as crazy as this one. Right, Chris? Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, if, if you guys have any uh, have any additional takes on on Earl Thomas or, or any insight that we didn't hit on here, please uh, please give us a shout out at uh, any one of the things that Alec mentioned. Uh, we'd love to discuss it. Yeah, otherwise we're uh, we're gonna get get excited for the uh, rest of training camp and and see how this roster shaping is uh, is gonna pan out. Yes, sir. And I'm gonna get back to adjusting my fancy football ranks. Got a draft tomorrow. <laughs> 